section twenty three of celebrated travels and travellers volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by Hawaii in january two thousand fifteen celebrated travels and travellers volume three the great explorers and travellers of the nineteenth century by jules verne second part chapter one voyages round the world and polar expeditions four the blossom captain beechey commander set sail from spithead on the nineteenth may eighteen twenty five and after doubling cape horn on the twenty sixth of december entered the pacific ocean after a short stay off the coast of chile beechey visited easter island where the same incidents which had marked kotzebue's visit were repeated the same eager reception on the part of the natives who swam to the blossom or brought their paltry merchandise to it in canoes and the same shower of stones and blows from clubs when the english landed repulsed as in the russian explorer's time with a rapid discharge of shot on the fourth of december captain beechey sighted an island completely overgrown with vegetation this was the spot famous for the discovery on it of the descendants of the mutineers of the bounty who landed on it after the enactments of a tragedy which at the end of last century had excited intense public interest in england in seventeen eighty one lieutenant bligh one of the officers who had distinguished himself under cook was appointed to the command of the bounty and received orders to go to otahete there to obtain specimens of the breadfruit tree and other of its vegetable productions for transportation to the antilles then generally known amongst the english as the western indies after doubling cape horn bligh cast anchor in the bay of matavey where he shipped a cargo of breadfruit trees proceeding hence to ramuka one of the tonga isles for more of the same valuable growth thus far no special incident marked the course of the voyage which seemed likely to end happily but the haughty character and stern despotic manners of the commander had alienated from him the affections of nearly the whole of his crew plot was formed against him which was carried out before sunrise on the twenty eighth of april of tofona surprised by the mutineers whilst still in bed bligh was bound and gagged before he could defend himself and dragged on deck in his nightshirt and after a mock trial presided over by lieutenant christian fletcher he with eighteen men who remained faithful to him was lowered into a boat containing a few provisions and abandoned in the open sea after enduring agonies of hunger and thirst and escaping from terrible storms and from the teeth of the savage natives of tofona bligh succeeded in reaching timor island where he received an enthusiastic welcome i now desired my people to come on shore says bligh which was as much as some of them could do being scarce able to walk they however were helped to the house and found tea with bread and butter provided for their breakfast our bodies were nothing but skin and bones our limbs were full of sores and we were clothed in rags 
in this condition with the tears of joy and gratitude flowing down our cheeks the people of timor beheld us with a mixture of horror surprise and pity thus through the assistance of divine providence we surmounted the difficulties and distresses of a most perilous voyage perilous indeed for it had lasted no less than forty-one days in latitudes but little known in an open boat with insufficient food want and exposure causing infinite suffering yet in this voyage of more than one thousand five hundred leagues but one man was lost a sailor who fell a victim at the beginning of the journey to the natives of tofona the fate of the mutineers was strange and more than one lesson may be learnt from it they made for otaheite where provisions were obtained and those who had been least active in the mutiny were abandoned and thence christian set sail with eight sailors who elected to remain with him and some twenty-two natives men and women from otaheite and tubonai nothing more was heard of them as for those who remained at otaheite they were taken prisoners in seventeen ninety one by captain edwards of the pandora sent out by the english government in search of them and the other mutineers with orders to bring them to england of the ten who were brought home by the pandora only three were condemned to death twenty years passed by before the slightest light was thrown on the fate of christian and those he took with him in eighteen o eight an american trading vessel touched at pitcairn there to complete her cargo of sealskins the captain imagined the island to be uninhabited but to his very great surprise a canoe presently approached his ship manned by three young men of colour who spoke english very well greatly astonished the commander questioned them and learned that their father had served under bligh the fate of the latter was now known to the whole world and its discussion had lightened the tedious hours in the foxholes of vessels of every nationality and the american captain reminded by the singular incident related above of the disappearance of so many of the mutineers of the bounty landed on the island where he met an englishman named smith who had belonged to the crew of that vessel and who made the following confession when he left otaheite christian made direct for pitcairn attracted to it by its lonely situation south of the pomoto islands and out of the general track of vessels after landing the provisions of the bounty and taking away all the fittings which could be of any use the mutineers burned the vessel not only with a view to removing all trace of their whereabouts but also to prevent the escape of any of their number from the first the sight of the extensive marshes led them to believe the island to be uninhabited and they were soon convinced of the justice of this opinion huts were built and land was cleared but the english charitably assigned to the natives whom they had carried off or who had elected to join them the position of slaves two years passed by without any serious dissensions arising but at the end of that time the natives laid a plot against the whites of which however the latter were informed by an otaheitan woman and the two leaders paid for their abortive attempt with their lives two more years of peace and tranquillity ensued and then another plot was laid this time resulting in the massacre of christian and five of his comrades 
the murder however was avenged by the native women who mourned for their english lovers and killed the surviving men of otahete a little later the discovery of a plant from which a kind of brandy could be made caused the death of one of the four englishmen still remaining another was murdered by his companions a third died a natural death and the last one smith took the name of adams and lived on at the head of a community consisting of ten women and nineteen children the eldest of whom were but seven or eight years old this man who had reflected on his errors and repented of them now led a new life fulfilling the duties of father priest and sovereign his combined firmness and justice acquiring for him an all-powerful influence over his motley subjects this strange teacher of morality who in his youth had set all laws at defiance and to whom no obligation was sacred now preached pity love and sympathy arranged regular marriages between the children of different parents his little community thriving lustily under the mild yet firm control of one who had but lately turned from his own evil ways such at the time of beechey's arrival was the state of the colony at pitcairn the navigator well received by the inhabitants whose virtuous conduct recalled the golden age remained amongst them eighteen days the village consisted of clean well-built huts surrounded by pandanus and cocoa palms the fields were well cultivated and under adam's tuition the young people had made implements of agriculture of really extraordinary excellence the faces of these half-breeds were good-looking and pleasant in expression and their figures were well proportioned showing unusual muscular development after leaving pitcairn beechey visited crescent gambier hood clermont tonnerre serle whitsunday queen charlotte tehai and the lancer islands all in the pomoto group and an island to which he gave the name of byam martin here the explorer met a native named tonvari who had been shipwrecked in a storm having left anaa with five hundred fellow-countrymen in three canoes to render homage to pomare the third who had just ascended the throne tonvari had been driven out of his course by westerly winds these were succeeded by variable breezes and provisions were soon so completely exhausted that the survivors had to feed on the bodies of those who were the first to succumb finally tonvari arrived at barrow island in the centre of the dangerous archipelago where he obtained a small stock of provisions and after a long delay his canoe having been stove in off by a martin once more put to sea beechey yielded under considerable persuasion to tonvari's entreaty to be received on board with his wife and children and taken to otahete the next day by one of those strange chances seldom occurring except in fiction beechey stopped at hayon where tonvari met his brother who had supposed him to be long since dead after the first transports of delight and surprise the two natives sat down side by side and holding each other's hands related their several adventures beechey left hayon on the tenth february sighted melville and crocker islands and cast anchor on the eighteenth of otahete where he had some difficulty in obtaining provisions 
the natives now demanded good chilean dollars and european clothing both of which were altogether wanting on the blossom after receiving a visit from the queen mother beechi was invited to a soiree given in his honour in the palace of papeiti when the english arrived however they found everybody sound asleep the hostess having forgotten all about her invitation and gone to bed earlier than usual she received her guests none the less cordially however and organized a little dance in spite of the remonstrances of the missionaries only the fete had to be conducted so to speak in silence that the noise might not reach the ears of the police on duty on the beach from this incident we can guess the amount of liberty the missionary pritchard allowed to the most exalted personages of otaheite what must the discipline then have been for the common herd of the natives on the third april the young king paid a visit to beechi who gave him on behalf of the admiralty a fine fowling piece very friendly was the intercourse which ensued and the good influence the english missionaries had obtained was strengthened by the cordiality and tact of the ship's officers leaving otaheite on the twenty sixth of april beechi reached the sandwich islands where he remained some ten days and then set sail for bering strait and the arctic ocean his instructions were to skirt along the north american coast as far as the state of the ice would permit the blossom made a halt in kotzebue bay a desolate forbidding and inhospitable spot where the english had several interviews with the natives without obtaining any information about franklin and his people at last beechey sent forward one of the ship's boats under command of lieutenant elson to seek the intrepid explorer elson was however unable to pass point barrow northern latitude seventy one degrees twenty three minutes and was compelled to return to the blossom which in her turn was driven back to the entrance of the strait by the ice on the thirteenth october the weather being clear and the frost of extreme severity in order to turn to account the winter season beechey visited san francisco and cast anchor yet again off honolulu in the sandwich islands thanks to the liberal and enlightened policy of the government this archipelago was now rapidly growing in prosperity the number of houses had increased the town was gradually acquiring a european appearance the harbour was frequented by numerous english and american vessels and a national navy numbering five brigs and eight schooners had sprung into being agriculture was in a flourishing condition coffee tea spices were cultivated in extensive plantations and efforts were being made to utilize the luxuriant sugar-cane forests native to the archipelago after a stay in april at the mouth of the canton river the explorers surveyed the liu kyu archipelago a chain of islands connecting japan with formosa and the bonin sima group districts in which no animals were seen but big green turtles this exploration over the blossom resumed her northerly course but the atmospheric conditions were less favorable than before and it was impossible this time to penetrate further than northern latitude seventy degrees forty minutes 
Beachy left provisions, clothes, and instructions on the coast in this neighborhood in case Perry or Franklin should get as far. The explorer then cruised about until the 6th of October, when he decided with the greatest regret to return to England. He touched at Monterey, San Francisco, San Blas, and Valparaiso, doubled Cape Horn, cast anchor at the Rio de Janeiro, and finally arrived off Spithead on the 21st of October. We must now give an account of the expedition of the Russian captain Lütke, which was fruitful of most important results. The explorer's own relation of his adventures is written in a most amusing and spirited style, and from it we shall therefore quote largely. The Senya Vine and the Möller were two transport ships built in Russia, both of which were good sea-going boats. The latter, however, was a very slow sailer, which unfortunately kept the two vessels apart for the greater part of the voyage. Lütke commanded the Senja Vine and Stanjokovic the Möller. The two vessels set sail from Kronstadt on the 1st September 1828 and touched at Copenhagen and Plymouth, where scientific instruments were purchased. Hardly had they left the channel before they were separated. The Senja Vine, whose movements we shall most particularly follow, touched at Tenerife, where Lütke hoped to meet his consort. From the 4th to the 8th November, Tenerife had been devastated by a terrific storm such as had not been seen since the conquest. Three vessels had perished in the very roadstead of Santa Cruz, and two others thrown upon the coast had gone to pieces. Torrents swollen by a tremendous downpour had destroyed gardens, walls, and buildings, laid waste plantations, all but demolished one fort, swept down a number of houses in the town, and rendered several streets impassable. Three or four hundred persons had met their deaths in this convulsion of nature, and the damage done was estimated at several millions of piastres. In January the two vessels met again at Rio de Janeiro, and kept together as far as Cape Horn, where they encountered the usual storms and fogs, and were again separated. The Senia Vine then made for Concepcion. On the 15th May, says Lütke, we were not more than eight miles from the nearest coast, but a dense fog hid it from us. In the night this fog lifted, and at daybreak a scene of indescribable grandeur and magnificence met our eyes. The serrated chain of the Andes, with its pointed peaks, stood out against an azure-blue sky lit up by the first rays of the morning sun. I will not add to the number of those who have exhausted themselves in vain efforts to transmit to others their own sensations at the first sight of such scenes. They are as indescribable as the majesty of the scene itself. The variety of the colors, the light, which as the sun rose gradually spread over the sky, and the clouds were alike of inimitable beauty. To our great regret this spectacle, like everything most sublime in nature, did not last long. As the atmosphere became flooded with light, the huge masses of clouds seemed with one accord to plunge into the deep, and the sun, appearing above the horizon, removed every trace of them. Lütke's opinion of Concepcion does not agree with that of some of his predecessors. 
he had not yet forgotten the exuberant richness of the vegetation of the bay of rio de janeiro so that he found this new coast poor as far as he could judge during a very short stay the inhabitants were more affable and civilized than the people of the same class in many other countries when he reached valparaiso lütke met the Müller setting sail for kamchatka the crews bid each other good-bye and thenceforth the two vessels took different directions the first excursion of the officers and naturalists of Lütke's party was to the celebrated Quebradas. These, says the explorer, are ravines in the mountains, crowded, so to speak, with the little huts containing the greater part of the people of Valparaiso. The most densely populated of these Quebradas is that rising at the southwest corner of the town the granite which is there laid bare serves as a strong foundation for the buildings and protects them from the destructive effects of earthquakes communication between the town and the different houses is carried on by means of narrow paths without supports or steps which are carried along the slopes of the rocks and on which the children play and run about like chamois the few houses here belong to foreigners little paths lead up to them and some have steps which the chileans look upon as a superfluous and altogether useless luxury a staircase of tiled or palm branch roofs below and above an amphitheatre of gates and gardens present a curious spectacle at first i kept up with the naturalists but they presently brought me to a place where i could not advance or retire a step which decided me to return with one of my officers and to leave them there with a hearty wish that they might bring their heads back safely to our lodgings as for myself i expected to lose mine a thousand times before i got down again on their return from an arduous excursion a few leagues from valparaiso the marines were astonished at being arrested as they rode into the town by a patrol who in spite of their remonstrances compelled them to dismount it was holy thursday says lütke and from that day to holy saturday no one is here permitted under pain of a severe penalty either to ride sing dance play on any instrument or wear a hat all business work and amusement are strictly forbidden during that time the hill in the centre of the town with the theatre upon it is converted for the time being into a golgotha in the centre of a railed-in space rises a crucifix with numerous tapers and flowers about it and female figures kneeling on either side representing the witnesses of the passion of our lord pious souls come here to obtain absolution from their sins by loud prayers i saw none but female penitents not a single man was there amongst them most of them were doubtless very certain of obtaining the divine favour for they came up playing and laughing only assuming a contrite air when close to the object of their devotion before which they knelt for a few minutes resuming their pranks and laughter again directly they turned away the intolerance and superstition met with by the visitors at every turn made the explorer reflect deeply he regretted seeing so much force and so many resources which might have promoted the intellectual progress and material prosperity of the country wasted on perpetual revolutions 
to lütke nothing less resembled a valley of paradise than valparaiso and its environs rugged mountains broken by deep quebradas a sandy plain in the centre of which rises the town with the lofty heights of the andes in the background do not strictly speaking form an eden the traces of the terrible earthquake of eighteen twenty three were not yet entirely effaced and here and there large spaces covered with ruins were still to be seen on the fifteenth april the senia vine set sail for new archangel where she arrived on the twenty fourth of june after a voyage unmarked by any special incident the necessity for repairing the effects of the wear and tear of a voyage of ten months and of disembarking the provisions for the company of which the senia vine was the bearer detained captain lütke in the bay of sitka for five weeks this part of the coast of north america presents a wild but picturesque appearance lofty mountains clothed to their very peaks with dense and gloomy forests form the background of the picture at the entrance of the bay rises mount edgecombe an extinct volcano two thousand eight hundred feet above the sea level on entering the bay the visitor finds himself in a labyrinth of islands behind which rise the fortress towers and church of new archangel which consists of but one row of houses with gardens a hospital a timber yard and outside the palisades a large village of kaloche indians at this time the population consisted of a mixture of russians creoles and aleutians numbering some eight hundred altogether of whom three-eighths were in the service of the company this population however fluctuates very much according to the season in the summer almost every one is away at a chase and no sooner does autumn bring the people before they are all off again fishing End of section 23